This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. Seahawks insider Stacey Ross with Jake Heaps. The Seahawks suffered a baffling 33-27 loss to a Drew Brees-less New Orleans Saints team yesterday. The good news is it's their first loss of the season. And according to Pete Carroll, quite a few of the mistakes that they made are fixable. Things like lining up over the center uh, during a field goal attempt that essentially gave them another first down and acted as a turnover. Jake's rolling his eyes. Uh, (laughs) Things uh, like bad calls, allowing a punt return for a touchdown when you're not staying in your lane on punt returns. Uh, Things that they essentially know to do better. Um, I think the big test will be whether or not they actually self-correct because uh, if you're a good team, you need to learn from your mistakes. Otherwise, you're just a bad team that has bad habits. And they're no longer mistakes if there's something you do all the time. It's just who you are. I think that they'll be able to self-correct, but I have a lot of questions coming out of this game. You you sure hope so. I mean, I think the biggest thing in the grand scheme of things, if you were to sit here and say, Stacey, the Seahawks are going to be 2-1 and in the first three games, would you take it? You mean one and two? No. Or two, you mean if, if you just like no context, I'm telling you they're two and one. They're two oh, yeah. and one. Yeah. You take it. Yes. Absolutely. So in the grand scheme of things, in a 16-game season, this isn't the end of the world. However, the reason why this is so hard is because one in the fashion that they lost, uncharacteristic mistakes, and honestly, I haven't seen a game go that badly for a team other than the high school football games that I watch from time to time. You know, I go every week and, and there's always a game that a coach is being outcoached and the team is yeah. making, you know, boneheaded mistakes on, on the high school level. Uh, and the other part of it is in this league, wins are so hard to come by. And you had an amazing opportunity at home with a backup quarterback for the Saints uh, to really walk out of there going 3-0. and And ultimately, what is the goal? The goal is to win a Super Bowl. How do you win Super Bowls? How do you get yourself in the best position? Well, it's you win the division and you get yourself home field advantage. That is the opportunity. So when you talk about 2-1 and one versus 3-0, and oh, grand scheme of things, not that big of a deal. Hopefully you learn from it, like you said. But that's a huge missed opportunity. So are you someone who says, for anyone saying, well, you won a game with essentially a Ben Roethlisberger-less Steelers team, and uh, you you lost to a Saints team without Drew Brees, do you just look at that and say, I don't care? Or or people that said you should have lost in week one, do you say, I don't care, win's a win, and no, it I, ends up mattering. I, I, that's how, the, that's I, how I, games go. I really don't care. Every week you get out of there with a win, and I think that's Pete Carroll's philosophy. He doesn't care how ugly it is. He doesn't care how close it is. He wants to win football games. And I think that is the hardest part about it is they played an uncharacteristically uh, error filled game in which Pete Carroll's philosophy is to keep things close, yeah. limit mistakes, and let the other team beat themselves. And and that's that's a really tough one, you know, to swallow. So, um, you know, let, let's get into... Okay. Uh, I, 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 I could get into this the entire time. It's been a hard, hard Monday, let's, and I'm sure it is for everybody else. But let's let's get into some of our observations from the game, Stacey. How about you go first? Okay, I'll go first, because mine is actually related to what you said. Uh, I feel like one of the things that I noticed is the team wavered with their identity and Pete Carroll didn't outwardly say it, but I think when he was talking about uncharacteristic mistakes and unusual things, um, that was kind of part of it. I think that they were conservative when they should have been more aggressive. And I think that they were 
not aggressive, but they made mistakes when they should have stuck with how they normally play the ball, which is to uh, play for protecting the ball, play for field advantage and things like that. So, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, third and six, you're already down by, I believe at that point, two scores. Pass it. You've got Russell Wilson. You're in the red zone. <laughs> right. Like, I understand I, I understand the concept of trying to play for a for fourth and manageable, trying to play for a fourth and one, yeah. uh, trying to reestablish your run, or feeling like, you know what, Chris Carson could take off here. We've seen him do it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I, I understand the concept. I don't think it's like a 90% failure rate if you run it there. And maybe I wouldn't have a problem with it if it was a closer game. In that moment, I thought, be aggressive. Yeah. Go for it. Well, you're, you're right. I, I think that that's something to point out, too. I, you know, strategically, in the course of a game, in a normal situation, running the ball in that situation, when you know you're in true four-down territory, third and six, uh, you can run the ball and hopefully get, even if you got a yard, two yards, yeah. that's still a win in that moment because you're making it fourth and manageable, like you just said. But they weren't in that situation. They should have been passing the football, staying aggressive, and give Russell Wilson this offense two chances rather than just one where they get the matchup that they want on fourth down and they miss it. Instead, you're staying aggressive, giving the ball in Russell Wilson's hands to make plays. You get that extra opportunity. So I'm right there with you. Um, One of my takeaways, and here's a positive one, Oh. And this, to me, is a very clear positive one. Here we go. It's K.J. Wright, a.k.a. Spider-Man. He's returned to Pro Bowl level. Yeah. He is playing very, very good football in his first three weeks. And this game in particular, he did an outstanding job. He's been great in, in the run game. And the one question that I had coming off of a, a big-time knee injury and the recovery and all that is how is K.J. going to be able to run? Because one of the things that K.J. Wright has been so great at over his career is his ability to cover his ability to cover linebackers his ability to cover running backs and he came up with some really nice performances I know he had that you know pass interference on Kamara at one point in the game but that he he slipped it was he also pushed him out of bounds at one point to keep a run from going right I I look at KJ Wright and I think that this guy thank goodness he is back and is playing at that Pro Bowl level caliber had some amazing tackles last week as well also can I shout out myself sure and uh Go ahead. I tweeted, every time K.J. Wright makes a tackle, an 80s baby gets its wings. <laughs> Shout out to all the 80s babies out there who are still so glad that K.J. Wright, Russell Wilson, and Dwayne Brown are on this team. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, all right, what you got? What, what, okay, what's okay. Nice? Um, my second observation from this was uh, it's just the run game. And not that it was there, but that it wasn't. And they've had moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rashad Penny's 37-yard touchdown run last week. Right. Great moment. He had some nice footwork. Um, there was there was mostly good protection there. Uh, Russell Wilson, lead blocker. It worked. They made it work. Um, there were a couple moments where you thought maybe it could take off. The drive where Chris Carson fumbled. I almost wonder what the game would have been had he not, had he kept going, because it looked like that could have been a moment where he finally got his feet under him and he started going. I think that they can't get that run game established, and it sounds like a cop-out, but I just think it's too early to blame that purely on philosophy. I think there are a lot of factors at play. My question is, what's going to end up mattering the most? Are you going to be able to adapt? Are you going to be able to uh, scheme a bit differently? And switch things up. And if you know that guys are attacking you this way after three games and you start looking and you see, all right, they've got more guys coming off the edge. All right, they've got the linebackers ready to fill all the gaps. And we've noticed that in three games. And we've mm-hmm. noticed that three defenses are doing that to us. 
then what do you do to change it? Because I don't think there's anything wrong in theory with using Chris Carson as a big, big playmaker for you. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying here, and I, and I agree with you. I think that right now with this offensive line, although they've had their struggles, I don't think it's, it's not good right now to give up on your philosophy and give up on these players up front. I, I do believe that these are good football players. Um, this is a good offensive line that just simply hasn't gotten out of their own way in terms of assignments and you know being able to execute on a consistent basis. However, I, I do believe that in terms of their running scheme, mm-hmm. uh, you can look at it and, and know what's coming in terms of zone read, what's coming, the type of runs that they're getting in instead of changing things up as, from a formational standpoint, from a run scheme standpoint to keep people off guard. And I think last year, when you look back at this, I think one of the things that they were so good at was being unpredictable with their run schemes. Um, and, and that allowed them to you know, be dynamic, you know, trap plays, uh, power plays, counter plays, toss plays, zone reads. They were mixing it up constantly. Um, and, and at some point in time, they just have, you know, this year, they have mm-hmm. not been able to get to that. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see against Arizona if they're able to recapture some of this. So we'll, we'll see, and that, uh, that'll be kind of a wait-and-see moment. All right, what do you got? <sighs> There's a long sigh before I, this <laughs> I, I just come, I come back to this, is that okay. this game was lost due to lack of focus and mental errors on both the players and and the coaching mm-hmm. staff, not the physicality. I'd, mm. The Saints did not come in here and just whoop up on this Sa- the Seahawks team uh, all game long. That that was not the case. I thought the defense majority played well. I thought the offense definitely had their moments, especially when they started giving Russell Wilson the ball. Uh, this is a group that the Saints did not dominate this game from a physicality standpoint. This was a just one error after another, uh, mental mistake after another, that led to this game getting out of hand. And you limit some of those errors in critical moments, Mm -hmm. and you manage the game better in critical moments, this game is a lot closer. You're able to play your brand of football. You're able to get to some of the things that you want to get to. And we're having a much different conversation, Stacey, than what we're having right now. This is It was an unacceptable... um, unacceptable performance in all of those aspects in a game that mattered so much at home. 360 sums it up for you, Jake. Well said. Thank you. Well said, Jake. We're going to take a look around the rest of the NFL next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Seahawks insider Stacey Rost with, I don't know, the football everything guru. You're not just a quarterback guru, Jake. You're so much more. You're <laughs> a football you. I, guru. I you're a uh, children's TV show guru. Ooh, that I am. Um, you are a we watched guru a, of finding ways to park in guest spots um, without anyone getting mad at you. I'm still well, trying to figure the, that one well, out. I but. think the big thing is, is that you haven't caught on is, you know, the secretary here is out. Everybody's gone. That's true. So We've had a there, change at the front desk. There really isn't anybody here to get on me about that. I mean, like we're the last we're one of the last people in the building. Right the now. trick to doing anything you're not supposed to be doing. General advice, really solid advice. Be confident. <laughs> right. <laughs> Park in a spot Own you it. shouldn't be parking in. Walk in. Act- Nod. Hey, what's up? I know you saw me. I see you. Hello. Act I should like be here. You're supposed to be there. Exactly. Yep. 
Uh, there's, you know, a lot of people, uh, self-made millionaires. You fake it till it's you make it. It's the same mindset. Yeah, 100%. Wow. Yes. I learn a lot from you every day, Jake. Wow. That's, that's all I can I, say. I try to do my part. Oh, man. All right. Well, let's take a quick look around the rest of the NFL. We spent the first hour and 15 minutes talking can about I, the Seahawks. Can I say one more, one right more takeaway? One yes. more takeaway. Sorry. No, before okay. we spin around the NFL and talk about uh-huh. these cool stories. Yeah. Uh, one more observation that really irks me is I was so excited, okay? Like, guys, I was overly excited about Jadavion Clowney and Ziggy Ansah oh, being on the yeah. field together at the same time. What is that going to look like? How disruptive is that going to be? And in in this first game of that appearance, it just didn't even matter. I didn't even feel both, either one of them out there. No, nope. Clowney and Ziggy didn't have any presence. And I know, that, double-teamed early. I, I know that the, the Saints did a good job of limiting you know, the deeper pass and, and allowing Ziggy and Jadavion Clowney to really establish uh, any type of rush. But uh, you look at those guys, and e- even in the run game, there was really no presence about them. So uh, they played limited snaps as well. So I'm, one, I'm hoping that they can, you know, eventually they're going to get themselves around. This is Ziggy Ansah's first game back. Uh, he's trying to get his legs underneath him, all that. But these are two guys that we are really counting on to be a big difference maker. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully that progresses. But in this game, it was it was very disappointing. And in case you missed it, here's what Pete Carroll had to say earlier this afternoon about his evaluation of Ansa's first start as a Seahawk. Just getting going. Really, just got started. He had some good plays and had some good rushes, and he had some plays that that you know he kind of get tangled up a little bit more than than he will once he gets going. It's the first time in you know almost a year since he's played. So um, he just needs to get he needs to work. I will say that's how it felt watching him is it was like I see that this is someone who has been a pro bowler. I also see someone who has been unable to be full go for a really long time. Yeah. It, because it just, he's been dealing with injury. Yeah. I had I'll just say this. I had way too high expectations for that game and those particular I players in general. You. I know you did, it's but okay. I thought I knew better and I thought yeah. that I could count on these Pro Bowl players. Well, Okay. Okay, three six zero. I get it. All right. You said <laughs> you're saying too. You're joining Stacy's bandwagon. I told you it would happen. From the Jake. No, you I didn't. I told you that would happen, Jake. Okay. No, you didn't. All right. You you were just as optimistic as I was. Um, but I think that hopefully these guys are going to continue to grow and be a factor, especially when you start adding Jaron Reed into the mix once you get him back from his suspension. So, I hope three six zero. You're like me, which is if you always make yourself feel disappointed, no one can let you down. Oh, that's just More a horrible, life a horrible way to live. Uh, let's take a quick look around the NFL. Four teams that missed the postseason <laughs> last year, you guys. <clears throat> the Bills, the Lions, the Packers, and the 49ers are undefeated through the first three weeks, which is pretty cool. The bad news for Seattle is that one of those teams is the San Francisco 49ers, which pushes Seattle to third in the NFC West right now. I know it's early, but right now the standings are the Rams and the 49ers with 3-0 and records, Seattle 2-1, and and then the Cardinals at uh, zero two, and then they've got a tie, which yeah. I forgot about. I would say right now, when you talk about, you know, again this this Saints game and how important that was, you know, just keeping up with the arms race of the the Rams and the Forty Nine ers, who is you know showing that they are a legitimate team so far. I l- also look at their schedule, and I think you could say that about the Seahawks right now. But you look at their schedule and say, okay, are they for real? Is this a for real team? Uh, with the 49ers, are they just playing a soft schedule up to this point? Yeah. They, we're going to find these guys out. You know, they, the way that their schedule works is it's. I think it's an easier schedule on the front end. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a much tougher schedule on the back end for the 49ers. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all comes together for them. But they could realistically have a very very good record 
coming into the game versus the Seahawks. So every game is going to matter, not only to be able to get to the playoffs, but also not only try and win your division, but get to the wild card. Uh, the 49ers are a very competitive team right now as it shapes up. So every game is going to matter from that standpoint. Uh, the New England Patriots once again look like a Super Bowl team. Every single year when I see Super Bowl odds for every team, and the Patriots are always like the number one team that people pick to go to the Super Bowl, I think, well, of course you would. They've won the Super Bowl um, approximately like 19 times in the last 10 years. I don't know how it happened, but that's how many times they've done it. It's <laughs> it's asinine. It, um, it is crazy. But I think watching them this year, and I know that they played the Jets, and I know that they played the Dolphins, but they truly look like a dominant, dominant Super Bowl team. They are the first team to hold opponents scoreless in the first half of five consecutive games, including the postseason. And they are also the first team to not allow a passing or rushing touchdown in each of their first three games of the season in a Super Bowl era. That is wild. Yeah, that is insane. And when you talk about strength of schedule and all that, the Patriots have done this in a much different way in terms of their wins. They not only have won, but they've won dominantly. And there is a clear identity. They have been able to impose their will, not only from an offensive standpoint, but I think their defense, Stacy, is the best defense that they've had in years. And that is the scary part about this group. And you just cannot count out Tom Brady, Bill Belichick uh, every single year. And they continue to show why. Show why. And you just, you just wonder. I think everybody's been talking about this for the last four years, it feels like. You know, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, when is this... When is this uh, you know, run going to end. Yeah. And I never. As, the answer's never. It, it seems like it feels like that. I mean, Tom Brady's going to be playing till he's 50 for it's crying gonna out loud. It's going to be the J-Lo of the NFL, only instead of just <laughs> looking 21 forever, he's going to be feeling 21 Spot forever. Spot on comparison. Thank you so much. Patrick Mahomes continuing his MVP campaign. He is the first player to record at least 350 passing yards, three touchdown passes, and zero interceptions in three consecutive games in NFL history. The AFC once again looking like it'll be a match between the Patriots and the Chiefs. Yeah, it, it, right now there's really nobody else that's getting in their way. And uh, for for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, I mean, Andy Reid has created one of the most dynamic offenses, and they are continuing to stay ahead of the game. And we'll talk about this in the next segment about exactly what the Chiefs are doing, and I lo- I'm very much looking forward to that. But uh, people were wondering about Patrick Mahomes. Can he sustain this You know, last year and the success? And year two, what is he really going to be like in terms of you know, year two of being a full-time starter, he's actually gotten better. His 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 start to this year is better than what he did last year, and that is very, very scary. You cannot tell me that Daniel Jones is not Eli Manning's adult son. <laughs> they look exactly the same, but don't necessarily act the same. Daniel Jones looking quite a bit more athletic on the field. He passed for 336 yards with two touchdowns and zero interceptions uh, and added two rushing touchdowns in the Giants' win at Tampa Bay. The awful news out of that game was the injury to Saquon Barkley. He was in a boot and crushes yeah. on the sideline. Man, I think he's one of the players who, like a Larry Fitzgerald, which is wild because he's so young, mm-hmm. but one of those players where no matter what team you cover, we were in the press box at the time and people are looking at that and going, oh, man. Like, it's just a player that you want to see on the field, whether yeah. he's uh, whether you're a fan and he's facing your team or, or playing for another team or whether you're a reporter covering and you just want to be able to see someone like that. Well, he's such a unique talent, a generational talent, honestly. And uh, to top it off, he's one of the hardest workers and one of the best young men. Yeah. Uh, and so when you talk about a role model and, and you know people you want representing this league, Saquon Barkley is at the top of that list. And so it's very tough to you know not be able to see him 
you know, over the next uh, four to, you know, I think it was four to six weeks is when his injury is supposed to be, so mm-hmm. or how long that's supposed to last and recovery is going to be. So it's going to be tough not seeing him on the highlights and watching him play because he's a special, special player. But Daniel Jones, I mean, hats off to him uh, coming out in this situation. They're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are awful. But uh, I think Daniel Jones and the criticisms that he faced and what the New York Giants uh, receiving major heat for taking him as high as they did and trading up for him, uh, they got to feel very, very uh, validated after this performance from Daniel Jones. And the other other quarterback, rookie quarterback, that I thought was a very, very cool story was Carolina's uh, quarterback in Kyle Allen, mm. um, a guy who had a you know was a former number one quarterback in the country, transferred multiple times. Uh, was able to overcome a lot of adversity, undrafted uh, free agent, you know, battled a lot in the Carolina Panthers, you know, through the practice squad, uh, beat out a third round pick this year in Will Greer uh, for the starting spot, gets the nod for Cam Newton uh, and and just absolutely balls out yeah. uh, versus Arizona at Arizona where he grew up, where he's from. So a very, Aww. very cool moment throwing four touchdown passes, um, very, it'll, he looked efficient. He looked comfortable. He looked, I mean, that offense looked very, very good with him at quarterback. And it'll be interesting to see if he can sustain it, but very cool moment and very validating moment for him. And, and I think, you know, for that, in terms of, you know, rookie quarterbacks, first time starts, yep. uh, Daniel Jones and, and Kyle Allen, without a doubt, had the best performances. You know, and I do want to get back to Daniel Jones specifically because you were talking about him during the draft when we were watching to see where he'd go and, and uh, what the Giants would do there. Adding on that Christian McCaffrey totaled almost 200 total yards, 153 rushing yards and 35 receiving yards and a rushing touchdown. So they certainly still got playmakers in Carolina. And it's such an interesting conversation. The NFL has taken such a weird turn this year. And you know what? I think we tend to romanticize the past and think that everything is the same and that a good record meant like a dominant season. And I think it's that way when we look back at any NFL season. Whenever it starts and there are injuries you weren't expecting, the story becomes, what a weird year. Injuries happen every year. That being said, I can't remember a time when injuries happened to key starters and you felt like so many teams still had a shot. Like Mason Rudolph, I think think still gives the Steelers a shot. Granted, they got Minka Fitzpatrick, too. Mm-hmm. Um, this could be the same situation in Carolina, where you see Cam Newton go down, and if you're a Seahawks fan, you're looking at other NFC teams, and you're thinking, you know, like the Saints, and you're thinking, you know, you hate to see someone injured, but this is good news for Seattle um, or the Giants. And I think it's, once again, something where it's like, you know, this rookie quarterback coming in in New York or uh, this quarterback filling in in Carolina – could still make these teams uh, some scary opponents. Yeah, and you look at Gardner Minshew for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You look at that, and you, you that's why you t- you have to in the NFL. Doesn't matter who's playing, what injuries occur. You have to take every game seriously. You cannot be comfortable, yeah. and you have to bring your your A game to every single one. Wins in this league are tough to come by, and and every opponent. You know, this isn't college football where. You know, you have wide margins of talent and, you know, room for error if you're a top team in the league. Uh, these are all very, very well-matched teams, and it's just a matter of who comes with a better game plan, who who wants it more uh, in that particular day. So, uh, you know, hats off to those guys, and you're absolutely right. The Seahawks learning the hard way from the New Orleans Saints game yesterday, but you gotta you got to come prepared every single week. I think it's been interesting, too. I know we're getting back to the Seahawks, but I'm just kind of comparing them to the rest of – the NFL right now, to see them fall kind of in the middle of the pack, kind of leaning toward the bottom at like a 15-16 in, in rushing offense 
makes makes a lot of these stats from from some pretty promising NFC quarterbacks also something that you don't really want to see. Although Russell Wilson, and I know you were looking at this earlier when we were uh, over there in the sports pit kind of talking about the show. I saw you looking up a couple stats for him. Um, like you said, also off to a pretty dominant season. I know he's not in, in this week's notes from from the NFL, but um, he has had arguably one of his best starts too. He has, and uh, I think that that leads to you know our next conversation that we'll have you know coming up in our next segment. Uh, Doug Farrar uh, from the USA Today had some pretty bold statements in terms of Russell Wilson and who can be holding him back. We will get to that and all of that next in our Big If True. I know. And I encouraged you to use uh, like six flame emojis when you tweeted about it. You didn't. It's okay. I'm over it. But I'll explain that next on Seattle Sports at Night. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Seahawks insider Stacey Ross here with Jake Heaps. As a reminder, you guys, um, text your questions in. We are doing uh, Ask Us Anything at 845, answering any question you have. I've already got a couple good ones that I really like. I'm being selective. Although, I'll take any question, you know. Uh, well, let's I'll be honest. We favorites. are expecting the best. I mean, I'm we expecting try, the best out of you. We try to bring our A game. doesn't always come through, but But I try. expect you to, listener, to bring at least an A- minus to B-plus game with the questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the least like, we can ask, Shoot right? for, I'm passing, which is which is really uh, my approach to all of high school. Mm. Um, you can text those into the Coors Light text line at 710-710. Do that now. I'll give you the number again uh, at the end of this segment with another reminder, and then uh, we'll open our next and final segment with that again and a couple of really good questions. So anything you want to ask, it could be just for Jake if, you, if you're if you weird. I don't know. I mean, maybe I've done something to offend you, and it's fine, and I'm over it. Uh, the Seahawks had a baffling loss on Sunday to the Saints. A million and five things went wrong. We've spent the better part of two hours covering a few of those. Um, but one NFL writer in particular says that the problem with the Seahawks' start this season could be with the play caller. That's in tonight's Big If True. This can't be happening! Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say that? that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious! Tonight's Big If True comes from Doug Farrar, great writer, who writes an article today that the only person who can stop Russell Wilson is Brian Schottenheimer. That was in USA Today Sports. Ouch. Um, it starts with Farrar listing out the uh, the stats for uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. And this is on his Twitter account. Um, and I'll get you the name for that in a second. So he says, Derek Carr gets twice as much of a chance to expand his team's chances through the passing game when ahead than Russell Wilson does. And then he says, Patrick Mahomes, of course, gets precisely what he deserves and demolishes everybody. So, Jake, break this down first, what, what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, the the first part I think is interesting in terms of, uh, you know, when you talk about like, we'll we'll get to the Brian Schottenheimer part next, but I, I think the big part of this is when he's looking at this is okay as an offense your philosophy uh, when you're ahead you're trying to sit on your lead and trying to play conservative rather than so Pete Carroll's philosophy is play into the fourth quarter we're gonna we're gonna play conservative we're gonna take care of the football we're gonna try and dominate the time of possession limit limit the other offense's opportunities 
and we are going to win this game in the fourth quarter because we have a great defense and we have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL who can win games in the fourth quarter. And that philosophy has worked out for Pete Carroll uh, in a big way. Uh, he has been successful with it, but also it can be very frustrating. Uh, so he looks at he looks at on the flip side the rest of the NFL, and I think some really good comparisons here when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, probably mm-hmm. the most dynamic offense in the NFL right now. Uh, and then you look at Derek Carr, who you know I think the, their offense is towards the bottom, and but Derek Carr and and John, and uh, you know uh, John Gruden having their offensive philosophy and just kind of comparing those three offenses. We talk about uh, pass attempts and what they are able to do with them uh, between Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr. Uh, man, uh, Patrick Mahomes has gotten 78 attempts. He's got almost got 900 yards. He's got seven touchdowns. Uh, his passer rating is almost 140. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson has 12 attempts. 97 yards, he's got a 90% completion percentage, one touchdown, a 128 uh, passer rating. And Derek Carr, 29 attempts, uh, one touchdown, 110 passer rating, doing doing just fine. Meaning they, that Derek Carr is given, given an average of, of those 29 attempts to start it, it, a game. So his 29 attempts are coming right. when they're in the lead. Yes. So they're not, sit, they're not trying to sit on a lead. When they're behind... Uh, you know, Russell Wilson has the most attempts and the most yardage, uh, and and uh, and he's got six touchdowns and all that. He's got the most production in all of them. However, he's being put in that situation the most. And so I think the philosophy in terms of what Doug Farrar is getting at is, why are we playing conservative? Mm-hmm. Why are we consistently trying to play games into the fourth quarter when you have one of the best quarterbacks in the league? You should trust him, be aggressive, and try and put teams away early rather than trying to always consistently play a tight game where it really comes down to errors, mismanagement of games, uh, turnover battle. You know, There's a lot of things that can go wrong when it, there's not as much room for error in that style of game versus being aggressive early. So again, that's USA Today writer Doug Farrar. That's at NFL underscore Doug Farrar, F-A-R-R-A-R. Um, so this is interesting from Doug. He says the shame of it is that Wilson has to go into panic mode in the second half. At least he did last week. Uh, Seattle's run game has been one of the league's least effective this season. And it seems that only when that run game collapses in on itself, does Schottenheimer design to put the game into the plans into the hands of his quarterback. I actually don't mind this argument from Doug. Um, I, I would say I don't this. know that it's just like Brian Schottenheimer standing in his way. I think that there's a lot to figure out still with a second-year offensive coordinator. That said, you pointed out earlier today an interesting point from Daniel Jeremiah. Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah, at Move the Sticks. Uh, love his Twitter account, love his Instagram account. Uh, great analysis and also you know interesting t- statistics that he throws out there. Um, he said Kansas City, in terms of going back to that aggression, playing ahead, uh, their stats, okay, their play mix in terms of first half versus second half. In week one, he he uh, you know breaks down the first three weeks uh, and of the season. In week one, they uh, Kansas City ran the ball eight times compared to twenty pass attempts. Week two, eight runs compared to twenty six pass attempts. Week three, eight runs compared to twenty five pass attempts. And then in the second half, mm-hmm. that mix becomes much more balanced because the Kansas City Chiefs are being aggressive, getting up early into games and then trying to run the ball out in the second half and trying to, you know, seal that win. Um, 
and and they are able to still be explosive, but also trying to run the clock, just like the Seahawks are trying to do throughout the entire game. So it's interesting in that philosophy with Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, instead of trying to play conservative, uh, played the field position battle game, they are trusting their offense to go out and set the tone and put the hands, put the ball in Patrick Mahomes' hands and those dynamic playmakers and try and get ahead early. So I wouldn't say for Doug Farrar, I wouldn't say that this is Brian Schottenheimer when you look at philosophy. I think this is directly Pete Carroll. Mm. Pete Carroll's philosophy has always been to keep games close. When you look at Brian Schottenheimer, I look at it more from a creative play standpoint. Are you getting your best players the ball? Are you you know, winning situational football? And also going to Doug's point, what are you doing at the beginning of games? And and I think that that is the biggest you know, question of it all. What is the right thing to do here? Is do you it, think they feel like they can't pass it if they don't establish the run? They, they can't pass it the way they want to? I think, no. I don't think that that is the deal here. I think what they want to do from a philosophy standpoint is they want to be able to get defenses on their heels, not with the passing game and explosive passes, but they want to be able to do that by owning the line of scrimmage and dictating from there. So we're going to own the line of scrimmage. We're going to get movement. You're going to um, start because of that. You're going to add more players in the box. That's when we're going to get our play, our deep play-action pass game going. We're going to be able to attack you deep down the field. And they have simply not been able to get to that identity mm-hmm. in these first three weeks. I think that's why you're looking at this and going, man, this is not reminiscent of anything that we saw last year. Also, when you've looked at these first three weeks, Russell Wilson has been pretty special. And you look at the statistics, I mean, right now, Russell Wilson, as it sits, he sits seventh in the league in yards. Uh, His completion percentage is eighth, which is surprising because it's 71.4 right now. (laughs) It's pretty good. So the fact that you've got seven other guys. Uh, Please don't forget Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is ahead of Russell Wilson. 76? Uh, I'm going to look this up during the break. I I don't know, but uh, you've got quite a few guys that are in the 70% range. Obviously, that's going to change as the the games go on. He's sixth in in the league in terms of average per attempt and 8.6, and he's tied for fourth. Uh, in terms of uh, seven touchdown passes, third in quarterback rating. And the biggest one of all, the biggest one of all, is he is tied for second in terms of touchdown to interception ratio. Seven touchdowns to zero interceptions. Mm. Patrick Mahomes is in the clear first with 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions. I mean, this guy, though, Patrick Mahomes it, isn't of this planet. No, it, and, and, this off, and their Kansas City Chiefs offense isn't right. of this planet. It's, right. it's another level. And you look at that, and from Doug Farrar's standpoint, from Twitter analytics people, I understand the frustration of saying, look, put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. He is one of the elite. He can make plays. He can get you ahead early. Instead of trying to you know, squeeze games out and play conservatively, trust him. Trust him and, and, and move forward. I would say, however, that I don't believe that this team is specifically built to play that kind of game consistently. Mm. I don't believe their offensive line is. I don't believe they have all the pieces to be able to do that in every single game. This offense is going to be at its best when it can establish some sort of run game, when you can feel confident. It doesn't mean that they have to run the ball 30 times plus a game, but when they're going to do it, they're going to have their presence felt and they can get something going on a consistent basis. Uh, and and now you can you can open your entire playbook up. Right now, 
they have been able they they haven't been able to do that. And I think the bigger problem in all of this is Pittsburgh Steelers game. Uh, this last game, playing from behind, yeah. Russell Wilson has had to get this done in this offense by by a, you know death by a thousand cuts, getting it into the end zone by having to earn it. The lack of explosive plays are is the concerning thing to me with passes down the field. They have not been the explosive team that they once were last year. They were amongst the top in the league in explosive plays, and that's certainly not the case right now. It is it is hard right now to drive down the field and go score. Good stuff, as always, from Jay Keeps. Text those questions into the Coors Light text line at 710-710. Ask us anything is next on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports at Night. I'm Seahawks Insider Stacy Rost with Jake Heaps. Not too late to get those questions in. It's our final segment, Ask Us Anything. We'll answer any and all, well, maybe not all, but the ones I like of your questions. Text them in 710-710 to the Coors Light text line. Uh, let's start from the 940. Where's 940? Matt, do you know? Ooh, I don't know. Wow. I know nothing. Tell me, 940. Most people listening are probably working graveyard shifts. Have any of you worked one? Uh, yeah? Well, this... Well, now Matt's like, yes. <laughs> Matt's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, here I am. Um, I actually, yes, my very first job, it wasn't technically a graveyard shift, but we worked really late. My very first job was as a waitress, and uh, our restaurant was open very late, and we did a lot of catering stuff. Okay. So if you had a like a wedding party or something that you were catering, we took that to like 2 a.m. Okay. And that was tough. Gotcha. You're starving. You're tired. People yeah. are in such a great mood and you are you don't want to be there. <laughs> it's the worst. I can only imagine. How about uh, you? The only thing close to the graveyard shift that I've done is, one, this show. Yeah, uh, that's fair. This show, to me, has been a graveyard shift. But the second thing, it's really not working, but it kind of is, is... You know, I, I obviously I work with you know quarterbacks and especially from this area, uh-huh. uh, local high school kids, and so I try to get out to all their games as much as possible. And so That's a some, graveyard shift. So sometimes you get late games, and especially I, I mean, like I travel to down south of Vancouver, up north near the Canadian border. I even go to the east east side of the mountains for some of these games. And those long drives back, man, that's that's a long, long time. So not getting home till till pretty late. That's but a good that's one. that's about it in terms of my graveyard experience. That's, no, that's a good one. Not very, uh, not very graveyard. Not though. very graveyardy. From the two hundred six, what's something that immediately makes you nostalgic? Um, any nineties cartoons? If I see like a hear like a okay. Nickelodeon anthem or any intro to like Doug, Rocket Power, Ren and Stimpy, Rocco's yeah. Modern Life, Hey Arnold, anything from at least that was when I was a kid. It immediately TV things. I was a big. I did good. not go outside. I did not have friends. I watched TV like a normal, healthy child. Yeah, and that makes me nostalgic. <laughs> uh, I would say for me, when I'm watching, like if I'm watching my nephews at like a youth football game or any high school football game, I get pretty nostalgic. Like for like football in its purity. It's youth and high school football, man. I mean, it, it gets nothing better than that. And just you guys are playing at that point for the love of the game. Yeah. And, you know, you're at halftime and you just can't wait to, to get the orange slices. And uh, I thought those were some of my, my fondest memories, is the relationships that I was able to form with, you know, the kids that I grew up with. It's and, game snacks. Yeah, Post absolutely. Game snacks. Post-game snacks. Um, 
from the 206, what's the heaviest thing you got duped into moving? Here's the thing, 206. Advantage Ooh. of being a small person? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very much like, oh, I'll, I'll take the paper towels. You've oh, got the TV, man, right? That is such a good question. Or rather, have you ever been duped into moving something for something? Like if they were like, hey, come over, we're having a pizza party. And then they were like, thank you so much for agreeing to help me move. I've trapped you here. Um, Man, that's a tough one. Because yes, that has happened to me before. Right, and I'm just trying like, to think of, of a specific situation. Um, I think there were a couple times where my father-in-law, you know, hey, I want you to come look at something with me. Uh, you know, there, there's <laughs> a couch from a neighbor or... You know, we've got, you know, Christmas trees or something. And then all of a sudden, before I know it, him and I are trying to, you know, take up this huge couch, you know, up the stairs and around the corner and not expecting it. So I think, you know, some of those situations where I can't say no, I've got to do it. Uh, Yeah. I also feel bad for anyone with a truck. If you have a truck, you've been asked to help someone move before and you didn't want to do it and you did it anyways. Shout out to people with trucks that do not like helping people move. I feel for you. Uh, from the eight four seven. What are these area codes? Where are these from? I don't know. We're I don't know where they are. Uh, we're a country. Oh, this, Seattle nine, Sports at Night is countrywide international. This, we're we're international. The nine four zero, by the way, responded and said it's Wichita Falls, Texas. Ooh, shout out! Yeah. Um, ba ba ba. Two oh six, guys. Those aren't graveyard graveyard shifts. I know. I'm sorry. We know. Okay. We know. We just didn't want to disappoint you. We're pathetic. What's your graveyard shift? Two oh six. Let me know so we know. Um, let's see. From the 847, uh, hey, do pickles make a sandwich for you? I actually really dislike pickles. I don't like sour things. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. That's really disappointing. Uh, uh, it was, yes. Our friendship was cool while it lasted. I feel like we connected and it was fun, but this mm, it's time to It's time to go. It. It's All time right. for well, us to be over. Thanks uh, so much for listening. Pickles absolutely make a sandwich. Uh, Any especially, sandwich? Uh, most sandwiches, and especially tuna sandwiches. Well, I mean, yeah, that's the only exception. What? Literally the only exception Man. is a tuna sandwich. No. A hamburger? Oh, yeah. You got to put Ooh. some pickles on that. No. It's, fi- it's fine without them. No. Perfect hamburger is the following. You have the patty, cheese, bacon, ketchup, mustard, onion, done. You don't need anything else. Mm. That's it. You're set. I can't agree with you on that. Replace the onion with the pickle, and we're all in. Uh, From the 425, Jake, this is good for you. What are some high school football teams in the greater Seattle area to pay attention to? Ooh, that is a good one. I would say I'll give a shout-out to my guy, Ryland Spencer, who writes for Cascadia Preps. Uh, Go follow him immediately because he is, when you talk about gurus, he is the high school guru. Knows everything about high school football in the state of Washington. He will have the answers for you. Um, there's some really good football going on right now. A lot of fun teams. And I tell you what, there is a ton of talent in this area right now. Recruiting talent that is off the charts in the 2020 class and even more so in the 2021 class. Jake, is there anything you learned from parenting a pet that affected your approach to being a parent now? Hmm. I don't know if it, it affected my uh, uh, parenting or helped me prepare for that, but uh, Brooke is a big cat person. I was always a dog person, yes, and so naturally, Brooke. and so naturally, we ended up having cats when you know we got married and stuff. Right. And uh, this was more in college. Right now, we haven't had a cat in quite some time, and uh, she is anxious to get one now that we've got our you know now we've got our house. Um, but uh, yeah, we had uh, two Maine Coon cats, the big cats. Aww. Yeah. 
It was uh, great. From the 253. I love pickles. Obsessed. 253, I will block you from this text line. Coming in with whoa, that kind whoa, of hot whoa. take. Don't talk to our texters like that, especially when it. they got great opinions. No. That's an awful Dead opinion. On, you and Jake, I'm disappointed in both of you. You guys have really let me down tonight. Uh, from from another two, no, from the same two five three two five three. You know what? You came back Flood from this the text one. Line. You came back from this one. Name a song or artist that you are currently really into. I like Lizzo a lot. I know she's been around for a while, but really? I'm, I'm one of those really lame people that like just found out about her. I know. Huh. Oh, you're disappointed. Yeah, kind of. What? Um, oh, come on. I would say now I'm at my Spotify. <laughs> I would say right now I'm actually kind of in the country music. I, okay. I listen I listen to like literally every genre. I'm not a master at one genre, mm-hmm. but I listen to everything. Country, rock, rap, hard rock, like everything. Okay. But I, right now I really like Dan and Shay and Thomas Rhett. Um, Solid. Really, really into that right now. Uh, yeah, man, there's so much stuff. I will say anything um, DaBaby was played at pretty much every single like – Locker room thing, <laughs> any training camp thing. At first, I liked this, the artist and all his stuff. Yeah. And now I'm just like, you're burnt I, out. I'm just, I, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Um, let's see. What is the best from the two five three? What is the best breed of dog? Uh, I'm gonna be really biased. Mm. Well, I mean, all dogs are good dogs. Two five three. Uh huh. Uh, they're all good dogs, Bron. But. Um, I had labs a lot growing up. Okay. My Very uh, my solid. stepdad uh, trained labs as not as show dogs, but oh, like really? if you wanted your dog to like you wanted to train him to hunt, go like yeah. duck hunting or whatever, he would train your dog for you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. So he always had labs and so we always had labs growing up and they're just such good dogs. Yeah, that's they're that's, like the best. That's really cool. Uh, I would say I grew up I we had a a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Oh, those are cute. Growing up, yeah, pretty. It also makes you sound pretty very cool dogs. Fancy. Yes, uh, very fancy. <laughs> uh, and so I had that dog. That was my childhood dog. Loved that dog to death. Um, I, I'm Brooke and I are big suckers for bigger dogs. Yeah, like, like big dogs. They're Love so golden good. retrievers, but then like German shepherds um, is, and, and even bigger dogs than that. Uh, Russ Russell Wilson has. They're just uh, called great horses. Danes. He has Great Danes. They are massive, oh, massive God. dogs. Those dogs are bigger than me, I think. They're huge. That's terrifying. All right. That'll do it for us tonight, you guys. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. I love this segment. It's always really fun. I am CX Insider Stacy Ross. He's Jake Heaps. This is Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.